Welcome to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thank you for downloading the QMS podcast. I'm Mark Stephen. I probably don't need to tell you that life in Scotland has changed an enormous amount over the last 10 weeks. We've got people self-isolating, we've got social distancing, working from home or in some cases, not working at all. Farming, and a lot of the business associated with it, stand in stark contrast to that. If you've got beasts in the field or in the shed, you have to carry on, more or less as usual. There is no option. And people still need to be fed, which means that all the other branches of the red meat industry, uh, the marts, the abattoirs, processors, feed suppliers, butchers, etc., are having to find new ways of carrying on too. Now, all that is going on against a backdrop of unparalleled economic uncertainty, not just the upheaval caused by COVID-19, but also the looming approach of Brexit. Markets have changed. In some cases, markets have evaporated altogether. So this, to use the old Chinese expression, is an interesting time to be alive, which is why QMS are producing this series of podcasts to try and keep you informed of the latest developments and to offer you some insights and analysis. Today, I'm joined by Ian MacDonald, Senior economics, and Analy- Senior economics Analyst for QMS. Now, Ian's responsible for monitoring what's happening with the various markets. And Neil Wilson, who's Executive Director of the Institute of Auctioneers and Appraisers Scotland. Neil's from a farming family, was previously Head of Agriculture at HSBC Bank, and now runs his own specialist agricultural business consultancy. As we're all doing this from home, I'll just double-check. Neil, you there? Yes, I'm Mark. Hello. Good, good stuff. Good morning. And Ian, how about you? Yep, I'm here as well. Excellent. Good stuff. Right. We're cooking with gas. So, Neil, start off. What does the IAAS do? I suppose in a nutshell, Mark, IAAS is the representative body for auction marts around Scotland, as well as some of the appraisals. So some of the, the sort of smaller private auction houses that might specialise in furniture or antiques or specialist whiskies, for example. But the the majority of uh, the members are livestock auction marts. So our our role in representing them is really to promote that, that live ring, the livestock marketing system that those markets operate in, and then making sure that whilst we're doing that, we are also helping educate the next generation of auctioneers, uh, but also trying to bring the farming community together and, and be a, a representative of them. But we can get a pulse check on the industry pretty quickly because our members are are talking to hundreds, if not thousands, of, of livestock farmers every week. And how have your organisation uh, and markets across the country actually adapted to lockdown? Early on, I suspect that there was probably quite a lot of people out there wondering how markets would operate. You know, if you think about the the auction market, quite a social gathering, you know, lots of people there, buyers, sellers, spectators, people who come for the for the day out, you know, other other parts of the agriculture industry there to meet their customer base. So we adapted pretty early. We we could see the potential for lockdown coming when you looked at other particularly other European countries, Spain and Italy, for example. So we put a plan pretty early, pulled together pretty early with around about the membership that we could approach government with. And you know, and that was quite draconian, it felt really, because what you were saying to 
to farmers who were bringing their livestock to the market was, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, but you're, you're going to have to drop this livestock off at the back door and, and then you're going to have to go home. It's quite alien to a lot of farm businesses because they want to come in and see their stock sold, take pride in that animal going through the ring and, you know, represent themselves and their business and the quality that they produce. So, in effect, what we got to is a situation where we were really only accepting serious buyers into the market. We had to make sure we could put in place a two-metre physical distance throughout the marketplace. So that was making sure that round about the ring, buyers were separated by two metres. All the staff in the in the auction mark were separated by two metres. And then making sure that we, we monitored who was coming in and out of the market. So big, big change in our, you know, basically a D for the members to to deal with. But, um, you know, I think the professionalism shown through, Mark, and they've, and they've done it, they've done well. When you look at so many other areas of the economy that have closed down because they have, they would have people coming through in, in big numbers. I think for the auction marts to have continued operating the way they have has been uh, quite amazing, really. It must be kind of a strange atmosphere, though. Because, you know, you go to a mart normally and it's, you know, folk are sitting there with cups of coffee and, you know, leaning over the ring itself. It's, it's quite a sociable, clubby sort of thing. It, it's, a, it's a social event. It is, uh, or it was. I think it's really become a very focused business environment now, quite a transactional environment where buyers are there to, to buy cattle or to buy sheep, whether that be for butchers or store cattle for for finishers to take on or whether that be for breeding livestock. It's become quite a transactional place. I'm, I'm going to buy however however many animals I need and then that's me, I'm done. There's, there's none of the social aspect or the chat or anything around about now. So I think lots of people would like that to return. But as we see through the, you know, the route map through back out of lockdown with the phasing that's in place, Mark, it feels to me that we're, we're going to be quite a bit of time off of getting back to that sort of real buzzy social hub that that the market can operate as, as well as a business centre. Just out of curiosity, is anybody buying virtually? You know, do you have a camera up at the same time so somebody could be sitting at home looking online thinking, you know, does that work at all? Yeah, so one uh, one of the members, uh, Aberdeen and Northern Marts, they have got an online bidding service up and running. All the other markets have been looking at it in terms of how they can how they can embrace that technology and use uh, more online bidding real time. One of the big challenges has been that sort of connectivity issue that I think perennially comes up for rural businesses, whether that be auction marts or farms themselves, you know, and trying to make sure that we can run sales where there's no lag time on the bidding. Because, you know, you've you've been to the market, Mark, you know, 20-second lag time, you know, you could have two pens a a cattle sold in that time so you know it needs we need that assurance that the bidder on their laptop has has as much fairness as as the as the bidder sitting around the ring and 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 unfortunately in some cases we've just not been able to get that because of the, the connection speeds but you know we keep working towards that and if you look at some you know united auctions for example for their bill sales which would normally be a a really big event they did a sort of catalogued sale online as well so the markets have been able to use different types of technology to adapt to the circumstances that have been there. And again, 
they've probably been looking at this stuff for, for a little while, but they really just had to then take it up very quickly. So, you know, they've adapted well to make sure that farm businesses can continue to trade and keep the rural economy working as hard as it can, given the current circumstances. We've been talking about the structures, the technology, the sort of apparatus of, of the marts, but you know, how, the, how, how the market's actually been performing. And I'm going to bring in at this stage Ian McDonald, Senior Economics Analyst for QMS. Just give me an overview of this. Market-wise, what has been happening since March? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to, to see what's been going on. So right I suppose it was the the week before the country was officially entered the lockdown period. There was a there was a big rise in sales of cattle and sheep at the auction sales. So I guess this was a bit of it was almost when people were panic buying at the supermarket. There was almost a bit of panic buying, panic selling in the in the livestock markets. You can't really say panic, but it's more people were thinking, well, th- what what's going to happen next week? There's a lot of uncertainty around. We better get ahead of ourselves here. So so that was that was something that that happened, and then. Once we got into that that first week of lockdown, there was a big reduction in sales numbers, a bit of uh, destabilization, and um, that was also when the the lamb market crashed. The price had been something around about two pounds forty a kilo, and all of a sudden it dropped to about one pound seventy five. The numbers plummeted, so there was the big surge in sales one week, and the next week, just very few animals were sold at all, and the destabilization in the lamb market went on for a good couple of weeks uh, it wasn't until re- really around easter before the the market had sort of fully recovered and was starting to show more normal more normal signals we've just come out of the muslim holy month of ramadan what effect does that have there's a sort of couple of big islamic festivals a year there's ramadan which is fasting during daylight hours there's a big feast at the start of it and then a big feast at the end of it um eid al-fitr so at the end of it, there's a there's a big sort of family feast, and you always see a big surge in numbers of lambs on the market at that time. And despite the surge, you often you'll see a, a rise in the price. And this the same thing happens with the Eid al Adha festival, which is um, this year. It's right about the end of July, start of August. And again, just ahead of that feast, the couple of weeks before, you always see rising in uh, sheep sales and the price is always strong so it really shows there's a there's a real real big increase in demand at that time around this around these festivals and what's happening in the cattle for cattle the the auction the auction price was much more stable than the the deadweight price at least initially and i guess that 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 it was probably helped by the real strengths we saw in sales butchers butchers did really well um through the through the whole lockdown period and people were were uh, looking to support their their local shops as well as going to the the supermarkets. So yeah, that 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 butcher's trade really really helped the cattle auction price. And there was at around the end of April, start of May, there was a bit of a dip in the in the market once the the numbers had sort of recovered back to a more normal weekly level. But then the the overall cattle market has really heated up the last two or three weeks and yeah the, the auction prices has followed that higher so it's gone up by about four percent from from the low point i wonder if neil's got a view on this why do you think the the cattle prices held up so well neil good question because if you look at the store markets as well you know the store cattle prices have sort of retained pretty strong levels mark you know when you when you pitch them against last year it's pretty consistent so 
I think there's a there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, time of year. Although we just were talking here about the the dry spell we've had. Actually, I think you know a lot of farms maybe had had you know some decent levels of grass to to think about putting cattle out to, which probably kept demand up. And I think Ian, uh, you know, Ian and, and Stuart at QMS, they'd done a little bit of work earlier in the year, which suggested that maybe just actual numbers on the ground were a little bit a little bit lighter. So. You know, maybe supply coming into the market in terms of the numbers have been quite closely matched to demand, which is, has been helping to um, to keep uh, you know the prices up through the ring. And I think, as Ian said, in that prime, the prime cattle market through the through the live ring, uh, certainly the increased demand that butchers have seen has been fantastic and the you know the butcher shops around about Scotland, the buyers coming into the market from them have really helped to support the price back to the to the farmer. You know, but what we need to say as well is you know the farmers have been presenting good quality stock what uh, that the butchers are looking for. So you know they they need a pat in the back as well for delivering what that particular market was looking for at that time. I kind of get the impression here, Ian, that we're talking about an internal market, a domestic market. Is there any sign at all that we're going to be starting to export stuff anytime soon? Yeah, so the the export market has been has been really interesting. So when the lamb market crashed, there were a lot of reports that it was, it was there was a real problem in France, um, and it was that the lack of export orders that that was one of the big factors in that fall. And yet, w- when looking at the some of the the wholesale market figures from the, the the big run, runges market on the outskirts of Paris. You saw there was a real sharp decline in prices for for lamb there, just that right that last couple of weeks of March. But then all of a sudden that French market went from collapsing to almost back to normal, and there was a real sort of quick upturn through through April. And it's the the French market has been pretty firm in the last the last few weeks really. And here the the lamb prices has dropped a little after after the end of Ramadan, but in in France the the market the market's been really stable, and the exchange rate as well. That's that's been another factor. The the weakening of the the pound through some of the the Brexit uncertainty. That's that certainly they helped the the short the short term level of the the lamb market. We can't be the only country in the world that has got difficulties. I mean, how how are the countries faring? I mean, places like New Zealand, for example. So in New Zealand, it's it's been it's really been quite sheltered in terms of from from the coronavirus in terms of actual numbers of, of infections um, I guess probably helped a little bit from their sort of uh, more isolated place in the, in the world they, they had a huge drought over their summer period and so there was a lot of early early sheep sales and uh, the price went re- was really strong at the end of end of last year and then that, that early marketing sort of crashed their market a bit and then they're quite highly sensitive to demand in China and obviously the earlier lockdown and destabilization in the Chinese market that that hit the hit the New Zealand price earlier and there's some um, diversion of of export product that they would normally send to China into Europe and that that came in in March um, since then their uh, exports have fallen again here and they've uh, they've been getting more product back into China I'm conscious of the fact we've spoken about lamb and we've spoken about cattle so far, but you know we haven't really mentioned pork at all. Anything noteworthy there? Uh, yes, so the the pork market has has really been it's almost remarkably stable. It doesn't seem to have taken much of a hit at all. No real volatility, unlike unlike beef and lamb. The price has just 
that the farmer has been getting is has just been sort of slowly, steadily rising, um, like it normally would at, at this time of year. The demand for pork in China has been really strong. It's held up, and UK exports have, have still been going to China without without major problems. When restrictions ease, Neil, uh, and I'm not even going to try and second guess when that might be, what do you think the outlook is for things like the breeding sales or the store sales at the back end of the year? So first of all, I think the, the we are looking at them right now alongside government to see how we can operate them uh, because, as, as you know, at that time, there are some there are some huge sales at that point in time and, and actually it's a very, very important part of the year for for lots of businesses involved in, in red meat production in Scottish agriculture. So we have to find a way to make sure that we can, through the auction marts, we can we can help that stock move around about. I think when you start looking at, you know, Ian was talking there about, about the way some of the prices have reacted across uh, the meat sector. Uh, he touched earlier on the fact that, you know, the, the cattle market's really, really warmed up over the last couple of weeks. The lamb market's certainly above where it was last year. So if you look at those, you know, there's a reasonable amount of confidence, I think, around about those those livestock sales at the moment. We're certainly getting a lot of positive feedback through the markets about where prices are and and how comfortable farmers are with what they're receiving just now. But the, the bigger picture that comes back into this as we head towards the back end mark is going to be maybe not just uh, the COVID-19 crisis, but, you know, where we actually sit on Brexit and what that's going to do to farmer confidence. What type of deals are we going to be looking at with um, with Europe and other players around the globe? And, um, you know, if that's not looking particularly rosy, what is that going to do to, to farmer confidence when they come to the market and, and are looking to bid for store lambs or breeding sheep or... Uh, store cattle to overwinter. You know, it's, I, I think that there's 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 quite a lot to happen in the next couple of months until we get to these sales that could tip farmer confidence one way or the other. Well, in the last fortnight, you know, the, the UK government um, voted down amendments which would have conferred a certain amount of protection on domestic products, etc., from UK agriculture. How have the farmers been reacting to that? I think really just a bit of disappointment, bit of despair. I think some of the communication coming out of government could have been a bit better about where they saw some of these uh, protections sitting. Um, you know, with a lot of feedback from particularly the Conservative MPs in Scotland who who voted against the, the Neil Parish's new clause to to say, look, it's, it's it probably shouldn't be in the agriculture bill. It's more likely to to have a place in the trade bill. Whether that happens or not, Mark, I think is a is a big challenge. But I. I I think there'd be quite a lot of pretty cross farmers around about the country thinking that um, the UK government were happy to open up access to what many would probably class as product that would be produced to standards that are nowhere near those in Scotland. i put this question to both of you, um, Ian, for a start, probably. What's your impression? I mean, you know, we came into the coronavirus crisis, global pandemic, etc. You know, and you know the, the ewes were already in lamb, the cows were already in calf. Next year, do you think the farmers are going to be looking to produce the same number of beasts, more, less, what? That's always a, a very good question. Yeah. So I think since I joined QMS in 2010, there's been lots of things going on, and farmers have 
just they have to cope with so much uncertainty every single year. And over, over the last decade, the, the I suppose the re, the real interesting thing is the the number of views in Scotland's been really quite quite stable, no real change, and uh, we've seen some increase in productivity over that time. So the the lamb crop is has tended to to sort of edge edge a bit higher. On the beef side, we have seen uh, the number of beef cows. It's been declining steadily, almost um, one sort of one one to two percent a year. So that's the question whether that's going to whether that's going to continue. Um, that that seems to be a, a bit of a a, a long term trend. Unfortunately, I guess it's it's a it's a sign of how how difficult it is to make a profit out of beef farming. Yeah, look, I think it's um, when you hit periods of uncertainty, and uh, you know, you you made the point there. You know. Farmers now are thinking about, even right now, are thinking about putting cows in calf, you know, that are going to take us well through the end, well, what, what might or might not be the end of coronavirus, what might be over, you know, bre- Brexit day at the end of this year. So I, I, I think what will happen is most businesses will just take the view that actually, look, this is this is the core part of what we do as a business, whether that be mixed livestock farming, whether that be sheep farming, whether it be specialist beef, you know, whatever element that is. And actually the one thing I would say, you know, Ian made a very good point there about beef cattle numbers, beef cow numbers in particular dropping down. I mean, that 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 in my mind is is pretty much, not 100%, but pretty close to 100% an economic issue about, uh, you know, the returns to the farm gate. Can I agree with you? And I just feel that that's a trend that will probably continue. But I think most farmers will look and say, right, look, this is this is the core of what we do as a business. You know, we're comfortable doing it. We will we will keep working away. We need to make a decision about cows now. We need to make a decision about sheep in a couple of months' time. And actually, the reality is, I think what you'll find, Mark, is a lot of businesses will just go, right, we'll go with it for another year. We'll keep the purse strings tight. We'll tighten the belt a bit more around about costs. And we'll work our way through this. And then we'll see what happens in the political arena around about coronavirus and, and Brexit. And then we, we can then start to pull some of that into business planning as we look forward. It's fascinating though, isn't it? Because one of the key points of resilience is flexibility. In my impression, and I could be wrong on this, is that every aspect of you know the red meat industry at the moment, of all the various component parts are being forced is the wrong word but out of necessity they are working more closely together probably than they ever have in the past do you think that'll is, is it true and b is it likely to last well i think there's throughout the certainly through the, the coronavirus crisis there's been a, a lot of zoom calls going on um, across industry people just trying to to work out what's going on i guess that that just thirst for information and everyone being almost in the same the same having to deal with the same crisis it's, it's really sort of pulled people together yeah i think there's more information being flown back and forward certainly you know i mean me touching some of the stuff earlier you know when the when the lamb price crashed very early on and uh, i think just a week before lockdown there was a lot of communication at that point in time between the auction marts the the processors you know what's in the supermarket what's demand looking like what messages do we need to get back to the farm gate so that we you know, as much as anything, Matt, we, we, we didn't want lots and lots of people bringing stuff to the market, you know, coming out of their homes when the product wasn't wasn't going to be required and they had to come back and pick it up to take it away again. So, you know, that one example there of 
just a little bit of additional communication helped us make sure that across the industry we could we could make sure that expectations were being managed and and farmers were great they listened to that message and were able we were all able to work through some of those early issues and get back on a, a sort of what you might call an even keel and i think the beauty of what the auction marks can bring is that ability to communicate with so many livestock farmers in a short space of time and get those messages out there so you know this this we will continue to to have to work together as an industry and and grow these lines of communication and there'll be all different ways of doing it but if we can't get that information flowing to farmers it's, it's going to make it pretty tough for for businesses to to make decisions in the future well, it's a fairly fluid and dynamic situation, but it's been a pleasure talking to you both. Uh, Neil Wilson, Executive Director of the IAAS, and Ian MacDonald, Senior Economics Analyst for QMS. Thank you both very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. And thanks very much to you for downloading this podcast. Uh, we will be back with another QMS podcast next week. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.